uh, this is John 14, 15 through 17, and 26. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Good job, thanks. You're set? I'll take it from here. Yeah. Good job, man. Appreciate it. All right. Um, So, kiddos and grown-ups, summer has started. Um, We had a few excited kids at my house this week, uh, four days in. And we have already biked Prince Creek, grilled out two times, had like 28 play dates over the past three days. And uh, yeah, with that guy. And um, I think ridden in a hot air balloon this morning. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten the report back yet. But summer is, summer is on. I mean, it's like on, full blast. Um, what's your guys' favorite thing about summer? Name, name something. No snow. I like that. Camping. Yeah. Yeah. No school. I figured that would be the first one. That's good. That's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Summer's awesome, man, right? There's no school. We're taking vacations. We get to see grandma and grandpa. We get to go places, go to the beach maybe. I love that every year the calendar cycles through the same set of seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall, and each season carries with it something different, something to look forward to. When you're in one season, you get to celebrate what's going on there, but you also get to anticipate what's coming next. There's different things to get excited about. So summer, obviously, is pools and camps and family time, but in the fall, And we get to watch football again, right? And then the aspen leaves change. And then in the winter, we get ski season. And then summer or in the spring, we get flowers. And around here, you get Moab. So that's kind of how it works. Um, Did you know, though, that in addition to the seasons, there's also a a church calendar, that that there's a calendar um, with different seasons in it. And during each part of the year, we get to celebrate different things that God has done for us. So in each season, we get to sort of celebrate what God's doing, but then we also get to anticipate and look forward to celebrating the next thing. So you've probably heard of Advent. This is the season of the year leading up to Christmas. Um, and And during that season, we celebrate that Jesus came into the world, that he brought great hope for us. Um, and you've also heard of Easter, of course, but Kids, did you know that Easter is actually a whole season in the church calendar? It lasts 50 days long. It's not just one day. And this is a whole season where we get to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and his reign and the fact that he conquered death for us. Um, And today, actually, is the last day of the Easter season in the church calendar. And it's a day called Pentecost. And so what I thought we would do is sort of celebrate... Pentecost this morning. Now, what's Pentecost all about? Anybody know what Pentecost is about? 
what happened on Pentecost. Any kid in here know? Kind of a tough one. You don't have to say it out loud. I got you, Jordan. Um, uh, Pentecost is the day that God gave the Holy Spirit as a gift to his church, to his people. Today is the day in the church year when we get to celebrate the Holy Spirit. It's not the only day that we think of the Holy Spirit throughout the year and we're thankful for him, but it's sort of like when it's your birthday and that one day out of the whole year is a celebration about you. You get a party, you get presents, you get to be celebrated and cheered. Now, your parents and your friends, they still like you and they're still thankful for you every other day of the year, but there's one day that's kind of about you. Well, this is that day for the Holy Spirit. So what I thought we would do together is that. I thought we would celebrate and cheer and just appreciate everything there is to appreciate about this gift of the Holy Spirit. James just read a passage from the Gospel of John when Jesus promised to give the Holy Spirit as a gift to everyone who follows him and everyone who loves him. So let's ask just a couple questions this morning about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? How do we know if he's kind of at work in our lives or not? How do we know if he's present with us or not, okay? Who's the Holy Spirit? First and most important thing to know about the Holy Spirit is that he is God, okay? That might seem obvious, but this is important to say. He is one of the members of the Trinity. The Trinity is this mysterious, beautiful thing that is so cool, we're not going to be able to fully explain it, but it's amazing. One God and three people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father and God the Son. He's not on the JV team. He doesn't come off the bench. He's equal with all the other members of the Trinity. And he's holy, and he's good, and he's loving, and he's gracious. And like the Father and like the Son, he's a person, okay? The Holy Spirit, it's not a force. This isn't Star Wars, okay, where we kind of like it's not Star Wars, where we sort of tap into, uh, where we sort of tap into the force and channel it for our own purposes, right? You don't channel the Holy Spirit. You don't use God for your own purposes. He is a person, and he is at work in the world. Uh, C.S. Lewis described the Holy Spirit in terms I've always liked and found fascinating. You know how sometimes there's a strong connection between two people, like either two really good friends or two people who are in love. There's, there's sort of a dynamic between them. There's an energy between them. And so when those two people are in the same room, even other people can notice the sort of the energy difference there. Jokes get funnier. Life gets sweeter. When these two people are together, there's kind of a, a spirit or an energy or a connection there. Well, C.S. Lewis says, imagine the connection between two people that is so strong and so full of joy and life and so full of energy and personality that it, that spirit is itself actually another person, the third person in the room. The Holy Spirit is sort of like that. He's a person that has always existed, but who, who proceeds from the, the super dynamic, energetic, life-giving, love-sharing relationship between the Father and the Son in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's a connector. He's, he's a matchmaker. He's like the glue of the Trinity. Um, so the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and the Son, but he does have a unique role that he plays 
within God, a specific job, if you want to think about it like that. And for this reason, he's um, kind of the most, the, the least understood, we could say, and, and in some ways the most mysterious person of the Trinity. So what does the Holy Spirit do? One of my favorite questions I get from my own kids, uh, usually at tuck-in time, when they're trying to drag things out a little before bed and they tend to get a little philosophical, you know, is this one. How can Jesus live in my heart? Okay, how can Jesus live in my heart? That's a great question. Kids are so literal, and honestly, we grown-ups have a lot to learn from you kids about taking Jesus seriously at his word, because that's a really, really good question. We learn in Sunday school that Jesus is in our hearts, but Jesus is a grown-up man, right? And our hearts are sort of little. And so how does he fit in there? And does it feel weird when he moves in? And do I get heavier? Will it hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. And if he's in my heart, how can he be in your heart too? These are amazing questions. And they're exactly the kinds of questions we should be asking as we read the word. And the answer to all of these questions is the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit's main job is to connect you and me to King Jesus. If you had to summarize his job description in one phrase, the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. Because you kids are right. King Jesus, he, he's a grown-up human man. And just like us, he's got a body. He has armpit hair. He has to brush his teeth. He eats his vegetables, right? And he is in a body right now in heaven, reigning as king. And if he's there in heaven, how can he also be here with us? Because Jesus' presence with us, if we're honest, it's one of our great hopes in life isn't it? I mean, he promises, one of the last things he says before he goes to heaven is, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And we take great comfort in that. We need that promise to be true. So how is it true? How can he be in heaven and be with us now at the same time? The Holy Spirit, this person, this mysterious person, this godly energy that connects God the Father and God the Son also connects us to God. And being connected to Jesus, united to him, is one of the most important things about us. In the Bible, we're told that we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. Have you ever thought about what that means? C.S. Lewis, again, I kind of have like this C.S. Lewis file in the back of my head. I don't know where any of these uh, uh, quotes actually come from, just the C.S. Lewis file. But C.S. Lewis says, if you can understand what the word in means in the New Testament, you can understand the New Testament. Okay? We are in Christ, and he is in us. Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, if you're in Christ Jesus or you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What does this mean to be in Christ? A pastor in L.A., a guy named Rankin Wilborn, wrote a book called Union with Christ that I would highly recommend. And in that book, he tells a story of a young woman who was Mickey Mouse, okay? She worked at Mickey Mouse at Disneyland, and he knew her. They were in L.A. together. And each day she would go to work, and she would put on Mickey. Okay, she would get in Mickey, right? She was in Mickey. 
And uh, what was so fascinating about her experience as Mickey was she was a self-described people pleaser. This is kind of how she lived her life. In her own words, she said, growing up, I thought, if I'm good, I'll be loved. If I'm bad, I'll be rejected. My core beliefs were that I was not worthy, accepted, or loved. So I would clamor and manufacture ways to elicit the positive responses I wanted to get from people. And when I put on that Mickey costume, I got that positive response times 100, right? You see, um, inside that costume, in a very small way, this woman experienced what it was like to be in Christ, didn't she? Um, On her own, she was not enough, and she knew that. She, she would never be enough. She would never perform well enough. She would never be, please people perfectly enough to be loved and accepted by everybody. Um, but clothed in another person's identity, clothed in someone's identity who is universally loved and universally admired, she became loved and she became admired by being in Mickey. Okay? On our own in this world, we're not enough. Our sin makes us afraid It makes us angry. It makes us prideful. And we're clamoring to be loved and accepted, but we won't ever measure up, not on our own. We'll never be good enough to stand before God in our own skin, so to speak. But covered in another person's identity, covered in another person's righteousness, clothed in godliness and purity and holiness, we're loved and we're accepted and we're admired. And we're even praised. Um, In Colossians 3, we read that we are hidden with Christ in God. See, we're in Christ. And we're covered by his perfect, absolutely righteous life. When God the Father looks at us, he sees the perfect life of his Son. And we're adored. We're celebrated. We're in Christ. I mean, this is the very center of the gospel, the heart of Christianity. And do you know how it works? How can you be in Christ when you're here? The Holy Spirit connects us. The Holy Spirit brings us into Christ. He he hides us in Christ. He does this spiritually, and he does this eternally. But it's not just that we're in Christ. Jesus is also in us. Okay, so we read this in the Bible. Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, what does it mean that Christ is in me? Okay, if we understand what it's like to be in Christ by thinking of Mickey Mouse, how are we going to understand what it's like for Christ to be in me? Well, here we need to move from Mickey to Spider-Man, okay? Now, you would think that I came up with these illustrations because I knew there'd be kids in the room, but no, this is just how I think, Mickey Mouse and and Spider-Man. You know what makes Spider-Man different from Batman and Superman? By the way, kids, th- these are like the three, these are like the old school dudes, okay? Like they're, back in the day, I mean, I know Marvel has given a lot of airtime to a lot of other superheroes these days, but Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman, like those were the dudes when I was growing up, okay? Those are the classics. Here's the difference. Batman is basically a rich guy with lots of awesome toys, all right? To be like Batman, you would have to make billions of dollars to start. You would, you, you would have to be strong and tough and fearless, and connected, and you'd, you'd have to be smarter than everyone else in this room combined. And what are the odds that you could work hard enough to become Batman? Very slim. For me, zero. 
I will never be Batman. Okay, no matter what happens for the rest of my life, I won't be Batman. Superman, on the other hand, is an alien. All right? He comes from another planet. This is where he gets his superpower. You will never be like him. By definition, you won't have his power because you're not from the same place that he's from, and that power, it's not transferable. You weren't born into his race, so you'll never be able to fly. You'll never be able to hold up buildings with your hand. Here's what's so cool about Spider-Man, okay? Spider-Man starts out as someone just like us. He's not rich. He's not famous. He's not even super smart or tough. He's just a normal guy delivering pizzas, okay? And then one day, he gets infected with something powerful that changes his life, that makes him totally different, something that makes him a whole new kind of person, but still himself, too. And it's a power from outside himself that changes him. And that's something that could happen to anybody, right? I mean, if the right infection got inside of you, if the right infection got, you could become Spider-Man. I could become Spider-Man, right? If the unlikely miracle happened, this could happen to anybody. Here's what Christianity is all about. The unlikely miracle that a power from outside of yourself gets in you and a holy infection takes root in your heart and transforms you into a whole new kind of person. You're still yourself, but you're new and you've been transformed. And there's a power at work in you now that is changing you and making you different. That's the miracle of the promise of the gospel. What we love begins to change. How we act begins to change. Slowly but surely, Jesus sort of takes up residence inside of us, a holy affection, infection, and it starts to spread through everything we do and say and think and want and love, and he turns us into the kind of people who can follow him and reflect him in this world. How is all this possible? Why do we get to hide inside of Jesus and what he did for us? And how does Jesus get inside of us like a good infection that makes us healthier and stronger and more holy every day? Well, Jesus told us how this works in John 14, what James just read. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, you've been infected by this Holy Spirit, this power of God, if you look to Jesus in faith. In 1 Corinthians 3, we read that, Do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells within you? See, the Holy Spirit puts us in Jesus, hidden with Christ, and he puts Jesus in us and moves into our hearts and takes up residence. He lives within us. This is the great gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is what Jesus gave the church on Pentecost Sunday and that we're here to celebrate and that we can experience today as well. So maybe to sum it up this way to close, um, God the Father designed an amazing plan for this world. Uh, He designed you and me He designed everything that you see. He designed a a whole story of creation, a whole flow that he, um, he, he, that the plan of his salvation will come to be completed. He designed forgiveness and he designed love to win the day. He planned it. 
And then God the Son, Jesus Christ, he came and he did it, didn't he? He came into this world and he loved us like God asked us to love one another. He died on our behalf to make us right with God. He rose from death, defeated death and sin, and is now reigning as the king of everything in heaven. God planned it and Jesus did it. He won it. He achieved it for us. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? Is he takes all those gifts of the gospel that Jesus won for us and he brings them and he like packages them up and he brings them and he delivers them to our door hour by hour, exactly when we need them the most. God planned it. Jesus won it. He achieved it. And the Holy Spirit delivers it. He applies it. He makes it real. What is legally and objectively true of us because we look to Jesus in faith, the Holy Spirit makes experientially real. He, he helps us know God and delight in him and, and look to him with, with great awe and love his word. He makes the gifts of the gospel real to you, applying them to your everyday life. There's an old pastor um, who was reflecting on this one day when he was walking down the street behind a father and a son. And all of a sudden, the father picked up his son and hugged him and said, I love you, buddy. And the kid looked back and said, I love you too, dad. And then he just put him back down and they kept walking down the street. And this old pastor was thinking, was that boy any more or less his father's son before the hug? Well, no, right? I mean, legally speaking, objectively speaking, he was just as much the son uh, before the hug as he was after the hug. But did he feel like his son more or less after the hug? Did he experience the sonship more or less? Did, Did the love of the father and their closeness and his loyalty and his protection and his joy seep into his life more or less after that hug and after he looks him in the eye and says, I love you, son? Well, of course more, right? Legally, he was just as much his father's son before and after, but experientially and emotionally and, and even spiritually, he, he felt the, the, the love of his father even more after his dad picked him up, hugged him, and said, I love you, buddy. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. All that Jesus won for us in the gospel, it's true of us legally, objectively, officially. Um, the Holy Spirit brings to our door, brings to our heart, and applies to us. He, he gives those gifts every day of our life, the joy of salvation, the assurance of grace, the kindness of God, the certainty of his word. The Holy Spirit delivers these generously and exactly when we need the most. The Holy Spirit is a great gift that Jesus gave to his people, the church. It's something to be celebrated. It's what today's about. And it's something to be experienced. So let me pray for us now that that we would experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that he would bring the gifts of the gospel to our hearts for us to enjoy. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible plan of salvation that you have laid out for the world. Thank you for bringing us into your family, for adopting us as your sons, that you designed this and dreamed this up is amazing. Jesus, thank you for winning all of these gifts of the gospel for us, for achieving it on the cross, for winning the battles that we could not win on our own, and then for giving it all to us for free, for applying it to our lives. And Holy Spirit, thank you for delivering these gifts, this love, this grace, this forgiveness, 
for delivering it to our lives day by day, exactly when we need it the most. We pray, Jesus and Holy Spirit, that you would be here with us now, in our hearts, indwelling us, taking up residence in our lives, helping us love you and trust you and delight in all that you've done for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen.